We're coming down the home stretch. We're on page 16 uh, in your workbooks, the title of which is Relational Peacemaking. How many of you have uh, either read the book The Peacemaker, been through a peacemaking course by Peacemaker Ministries, or have some connection with what that group does? I just see a show of hands. Okay, a little bit. Um, Peacemaker Ministries has been around for uh, more than 30 years. Uh, my colleague, the guy who founded Relational Wisdom 360, Ken Sandy, also founded Peacemaker Ministries. I was on the Peacemaker staff for about 14, 14 years. What we wanted to do is just give you a little orientation. Relational Wisdom is geared sort of to relationships in the big picture. Okay? Not only when you are getting along well and things you can do to continue to build relationship, but it also includes what you do, how you respond when things aren't going so well. And that actually is the focus of Peacemaker Ministries. It's a ministry geared toward helping Christians who have conflicts that have been difficult for them to resolve on their own get help. And that help usually comes in the form of some coaching that can be done by phone or in person, helping an individual to have some ideas of how to work through the differences. And it can also be done through mediation, providing a third person to sit in and actually help folks in a very structured way to work through their differences. And the role of a peacemaker um, is really to bring an outside influence into the situation. Lots of times, if you've ever been in the relational um, I was going to say nightmare. <laughs> Maybe that's too strong a term. If you've ever been in rela you know, serious relational conflict, you know, it's really hard to get a perspective on things because you have your point of view and every time the other person says something, the feeling is like you're being beaten on the head. Whatever your point of view is, you just get entrenched with your feet put in there. And it can be really helpful to have an outside perspective. The best outside perspective for us as Christians' perspective is the Scriptures. They very often are contrary to what our experience is and they give us advice that's often not the first advice we'd like to hear, but it's from the Lord himself and it ultimately is the best advice. And Peacemaker Ministries is all about bringing that element into a conflict. I'm going to show you here a little video clip that demonstrates the power of someone from the outside who can make a difference in the midst of a conflict that people are having. So we'll just need... Take your time, Jonathan. <laughs> Man, I knew churches ran pastors ragged, but I guess this is a, this is a new way to make that happen. Okay. So you're going to be like this all night? Like what? Lauren, look, I Just know. stop. I don't... I don't want to talk about this here. Why not? I... I just don't feel comfortable discussing it here. I don't want somebody listening in. There's nobody listening in. Well, you never know. Lauren, this is ridiculous. Would you just talk to me? Jack, I don't know what to say. I don't know what we should do. What do you mean, you don't know what we should do? 
Why are you being like this? Why do you always have to throw it back at me like that? Like everything's always... I'm not throwing it back at you. Yes, you are. Can we just please talk like adults for once? Well, if it were up to me, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Can we just get the check and go? Okay, Lord, I think that you're making this into much more of a big deal than it really is. How can you say that after everything that's happened, that it's not that big of a deal? Really, Jai? Because... As far as I remember, this is the same conversation that we had two months ago. I still understand why this is happening. I think things are so black and white, but it's not always that simple. I don't see what's complicated about this. Okay, fine. Tell me, Lauren, what do you think we should do? What do you want? I don't know. Really? That's your answer? I don't know? After everything, this is what it comes down to. This? First of all, this is not about me. Oh, it's not. It's not about you. You sure about that? Jesus, Jack, can't you grow up and just take some responsibility for once? This is outrageous. I didn't do anything wrong. You know what? I'm tired of having this big fight with you. Oh, yeah. You tell me you're going to change, but you never do. I just don't know what to say to you right now. It looks like we might not even have anything to say to each other. over something like this? Me neither. I'm... I'm sorry, too. I guess I overreacted. You think twice before you have a conversation in a Chinese restaurant, huh? <laughs> okay. But it shows, it shows the dynamic of somebody coming in from the outside, right? Those two were stuck. There was no way that they were going to find out of that. But someone coming in from the outside, playing the role of a peacemaker, of a convener, who can bring a perspective, is hugely helpful. And we do that when we help other people as peacemakers, or when we talk with them simply as coaches, or when we actually have an opportunity maybe to be a go-between. And the best fortune cookie message of all comes from Scripture. Because okay? God knows us. He knows our hearts. And Scripture is sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay? It pierces right through us. Okay? It brings conviction. It brings healing and reconciliation. Okay, that's the role 
that a peacemaker can play. Now, peacemaking, uh, we want to think of it as a special application of relational wisdom because we all tend to dwell both inside and outside this circle. And if you're like me, you probably spend more time on the outside forgetting God or manipulating others or being insensitive or indulgent or proud or fickle, whatever it might be. Spend more time on the outside because we're sinful. It's our nature. But peacemaking is helping people get back on the inside to remember God, to be faithful and to be humble and disciplined, compassionate and serving other people. So bringing people to that awareness, first in ourselves, but then serving others by helping them to see where they're currently camping outside the circle and helping them to figure out how do I get back inside and how can I use that in order to be reconciled to this person. Now, on page, um, I think it's 16 still, you'll see what we call the slippery slope of conflict. And this slope runs the gamut from the left to the right. I'm talking about what's up on top now, that semicircle. The slope shows ways in which we tend to respond to conflict. And so on the left-hand side, you have escape responses, basically refusing to deal with the conflict. On the right-hand side, attack responses, that is really aggressively pursuing the outcome that you desire. And in the middle, there are peacemaking responses. I'm not going to go over this in great detail, but what I want you to see is that for most of us, we tend to toggle back and forth between escape and, and attack. Most people's natural response, and I've done um, hand counts in, in churches and asked people, you know, what do you relate with most? And Christians tend to relate most with escape. And I think that's true of people generally. We would prefer not to have conflicts, and so we deny or we flee. The most extreme example, of course, is committing suicide, which is a, a tragedy and growing in some segments of the population. Some people prefer to attack. Okay? They assault with words, oftentimes, tone of voice, facial expressions, litigation. It can be a form of attacking, murder, the most extreme kind. And remember, Jesus says, it's not just the actual physical act of murder. If I say something to my brother out of anger, I've murdered him in my heart. Okay, this really gets to the heart condition. <clears throat> and then the peacemaking responses, choosing to overlook, be reconciled with someone, negotiate differences, or getting help, getting the mediator, getting an arbitrator, someone to choose between us. Accountability is meant to... Um, involve the church. It's where we get the church involved in our, our disagreements. So slippery slope of conflict, one of the useful things to do anytime you're in a conflict with someone is first of all recognize where am I? Am I escaping? Am I attacking? And what would it take to leave those behind and get into one of the peacemaking responses? <clears throat> this book, The Peacemaker, uh, Ken wrote in 1991, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been revised three times. It's a really good source. So if you're in a conflict and you're not sure what to do, I suggest either going to the Peacemaker Ministries website or you can come to the Relational Wisdom website. We have some stuff there as well. Or getting a copy of this book. It's a really good guide for how to work through personal, personal conflicts. Now what we've done is we've married this with what was on page six of your workbooks. Remember the whole diagram of the different emotions? What you had at the bottom of that diagram, at the top you had eight 
core emotions, and at the bottom then you had, we had three sort of big categories. Spirit of fear on the left, spirit of anger on the right, and spirit of love, power, and self-control in the middle. And in general, I find in my own life and as I've worked with people that when they're escaping, it's out of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of um, making things worse, whatever it might be. When they're attacking, it's probably out of some element of anger. Okay, some categorization of anger, whether it's because I'm surprised or disgusted or truly angry or any one of the other emotions shown there on page six. And so what we've done is we put this together, that if you find yourself escaping, expect that maybe there's a fear that's driving that. What's the source of that fear? And is it a godly fear? Because there are fears that God puts there for a reason. It's wise, you know, to try to run away from somebody that wants to attack you with a knife. Okay, that's not... That's not a, a wrong response. But lots of times, uh, fear becomes chronic, and it's how we always tend to respond. And then it becomes a lifestyle, and we never engage. And relationships deteriorate because we refuse to do anything about it. And the same is true on anger. Where we want to try to get to is in that middle ground there. Okay? Let me just take you quickly through um, some of the ideas behind peacemaking. We're not going to go, I'm not going to go into this in any depth, but just to give you a sense of what this can look like. So in your workbooks, you see the four G's of peacemaking. And the interesting thing is that in a lot of ways, these correspond to the three elements that we've been talking about relationally. Glorify God, point number one, in being in seeking peace. And we've already talked about being God-aware and God-engaged which is essentially what that means. Get the log out of your own eye means to look in my own heart and see where have I been responsible. Because the way we view the other person and what they've done in a conflict will largely be a reflection of our perception. Not that we're wrong, but it may be that we're not seeing things as clearly as we ought to. And so taking account of my own responsibility, being willing to admit it, and also of however I'm not seeing things clearly, is really the second step. We have a little saying that, you know, when I, when I find people in conflict, sometimes I ask them, so how much are you responsible for here? How much is your fault? And they say, well, I'm not perfect, but <laughs> I know that, but maybe 10%. I ask the other side, so how much are you responsible for? This is usually in a private setting before we get started. Well, I know I'm not perfect, but, you know, maybe 10% is my responsibility. So we've got 20% accounted for, and there's this huge 80% that nobody can figure out where this, where this came from. Of course, that's not true. We all tend to see ourselves in a more favorable light and see the other person in a less favorable light. That's normal. Recognizing that, we want to have this second step of getting the log out of my eye so I can see clearly happened before the third step of going to the other person, helping them see where it is that they, he or she, might have done wrong and what they can do to correct that. So we have in those first three there, we have the God-aware, God-engaging, self-aware, self-engaging, and the other-aware, other-engaging. The go-and-be-reconciled is all about forgiveness, and that's really one of the outcomes here. So those are the four Gs, a little checklist for how to think about conflict. If you've done wrong, and we will all have done wrong, it is a hugely important step to be willing not only to own that, but to confess it to the other person. There's something about making a great confession to the other person that can really speed reconciliation, can really break down barriers. And the interesting thing, I find this really hard to do, 
because it's very humbling. I have to admit, I'm not as great as I thought it was. You know, I did something wrong, and I'm sorry about it. And the funny thing is, you know, in that moment I realize, well, the only person I'm kidding is myself, because God knows it, and the other guy knows it. So the only person I'm really trying to hide it from is me, and that's my pride. I don't like to admit that I'm not as good as I think I am. So being willing to make this confession here can be a huge step. And there's seven points. They don't all have to be part of this, and this isn't meant to be a rote checklist where you just go through each one. It has to be heartfelt. But here's some points to keep in mind. Address everyone involved, okay? It may just be one person. It may be that you've spoken to a whole bunch of people disparagingly about someone. You have to figure out how to make that right. Avoid ifs, buts, and maybes, okay? No waffle words here, okay? I did it. Here's what I did. I was wrong. Not, well, if you, weren't so in, if you weren't so sensitive, you wouldn't have misunderstood. I really didn't mean that. You know, that's, that's just, that's trying to find a way to blame it on the other person. Okay, that's not a confession. Admitting specifically. Here specifically is what I did. And if you're not sure, asking. You know, I think I hurt you, but I'm not clear what it was that I said that caused that hurt. I want to change. Can you tell me? what it was that I did that was so troubling to you. Acknowledging that hurt then, saying, I can see that, you know, that this is deeply wounding to you. Accepting consequences. And there may be monetary consequences if we've broken something. Usually, though, it's relational consequences. If there's been trust broken, it's going to take some time to repair that trust. It doesn't happen right away. That's a consequence of broken relationship. That's a consequence of sinful conduct. Okay, so we have to expect that and then be willing to re-enter into relationship because trust can only be rebuilt in that context. You can't rebuild trust if you don't have relationships. So this is all about getting back to a point where you can begin to engage and act consistently. Altering my behavior, good old-fashioned word in Christian faith that's gone out of, uh, out of style, repentance. It just means I was going this direction, I'm going to now turn and head in a different direction, away from God, and I'm now going toward God and asking for forgiveness. Okay, oftentimes forgiveness will be offered, but if they haven't offered forgiveness, ask for it. Okay, would you forgive me? And then forgiveness has some specific consequences to it, and that's this next one, four promises of forgiveness. When we forgive, you know, forgiveness can be really hard to get your, get your mind around, we tend to think of forgiveness as kind of like, well, I'm going to start feeling good about you now, where up until now I've been feeling bad, or at least that's the expectation that we have. And of course, forgiveness doesn't have an awful lot to do with our feelings. Okay? It's a decision that we make, not count someone's sin against them any longer. And here are four promises then that become action items. These are things that I can do that will help me live out that forgiveness. One, I won't dwell on the incident. We used to have there, I won't think about the incident, but that's impossible. The incident's always going to come back to mind. The question is, do I continue to dwell on it, to hit that replay button in my mind and go over it again and again and again, okay? And that's going to create problems. So I'm saying, when that comes to mind, I'm going to start deliberately replace it by thinking of something else. Won't bring up this incident again and use it against you? Promise. I will not talk to others about this incident won't let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Okay? Four promises that we can make. And then if we have to negotiate, if there's something we disagree about, real quickly, four, five points. Prepare well. 
pray, get the facts, seek godly counsel, affirm relationships. And one of the best ways that we can do this, as I, as I mentioned, is to listen well to what the other person says. Listening does not connote agreement. And a lot of us fear listening well to someone because we think if I listen well, they'll think I agree with them. And I don't agree with them, therefore I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. Okay. Kind of hard to solve a conflict if you don't know what the other person's thinking. Okay. So we have to be able to separate those out. I may disagree strongly with you, but I'm going to make a commitment to understand what it is that you have to say so we can be very specific about where we disagree. And that then will help us think through very specifically what can we do about this. Understanding interests, understanding what people's core concerns are. Oftentimes we tend to stick on the surface and argue, argue over positions, you know. You need to do this. No, you need to do this. If you understand what's motivating people beneath the surface, oftentimes you can think a little bit more creatively. And the classic example of this is the mom who walks into a kitchen and finds her kids arguing over an orange. You know, it's mine. I saw it first. No, it's mine. It's the last orange in the whole house, and they both want it. And so she's exasperated with these, with these kids, and she walks in, she takes a cleaver and smashes it in half and gives half to each kid and says, there, don't want to hear any more arguing. She leaves the kitchen, comes back a few minutes later, doesn't hear anything, and she looks in there to see what's going on. Ah, I solved the problem. What she finds out is that one child has all of the fruit and is eating it. The other child has all of the peel and is using it for a recipe that she was going to make. They were arguing over an orange, but their core underlying concerns were actually compatible. They could have solved this if you asked the question, why do you want this? Well, if one child wants to make something and needs the peel and the other child is hungry and wants to have the fruit, getting beneath the surface of their argument, the position that they're taking, and finding out why, what's important to you, can often reveal ways to go about thinking about it and resolving this that can often... Uh, result in creative kinds of outcomes. I've done this a lot with folks. It's amazing what God shows us when we can both begin to reconcile the relationship and understand what are my core interests here, and especially asking the question, are those of God or are they of someone else, something else? And then searching for creative solutions and evaluating options objectively and reasonably. So those are some of the steps you can take in peacemaking. I commend this book to you, The Peacemaker, Okay, it's a really good guide, and of course, if you have any questions about conflicts, we're glad to uh, answer them. Just uh, get in touch with us at relationalwisdom360.org. It's, it, my email address is chip at rw360.org, and I'd be glad to, uh, to be in touch on anything. Okay, so this is, I've probably gotten way ahead of us in what I was saying. Oops, okay, not yet. So that's relational peacemaking very quickly run through and how it connects with the whole idea of relational wisdom. I want to show you just a quick video here on a guy making a confession. This comes from the movie uh, Fireproof. And the guy in this film has been just a real jerk throughout all of his marriage. He's come to know the Lord and it's dramatically changed the way that he treats his wife. And we're going to pick up and see this, uh, this little clip as he is responding to her, taking care of her when she's ill. Why are you doing this? I have learned you never leave your partner, especially in a fire. 
Caleb, what's happened to you? Dad asked me if there was anything in me that wanted to save our marriage. And then he gave me something. Um, I, I could let you read it. Was it this? How long have you known? I found it yesterday. So what day are you on? Forty-three. Uh, There's only forty. Who says I have to stop? I don't know how to process this. This is not normal for you. Welcome to the new normal. You didn't want to do this at first, did you? No. But halfway through, I realized that I did not understand what love was. And once I understood that, I wanted to do it. Caleb, I want to believe that this is real. But I am not ready to say that I trust you again. I understand that. Whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I have never had before. The power of a confession, okay, to begin to bring healing and to put relationship to a point where people can begin to connect, okay, and to reestablish trust, okay. Don't ever be afraid to unilaterally reach out we talked a little bit about that last night. That's what God did for us, right? He took the initiative. And some of us have chosen to respond, and some of us haven't, okay? And that's a risk that he's willing, willing to run. We're going to close uh, with a little section here on improving your relational wisdom. We've been through a lot 
covered a lot of ground in a relatively short period of time. Uh, and this is a lot to keep in mind. You'll have your workbook to help you. But I want to take us through some things that you can also do. To set up the context here, I'm going to show two final clips, okay, which set up the heart of what relational wisdom is all about. And these come from a movie called October Skies. Uh, it's a movie set in Colwood, West Virginia in the late 1950s. And it's all about a group of kids, and one guy in particular, one young man named Homer Hickam, who gets interested in rocketry. This is a time when Sputnik has been launched, and it looks as though the Russians are going to beat the United States into space. There's this national fervor about developing rockets, and he becomes very interested in rocketry, and he and a couple of buddies, three buddies, start building rockets, and they have a lot of early disasters, including um, trying to launch a rocket from his mom's front porch. It blows up and blows up the front porch along with it. Anyway, they improve over time. Uh, they win a regional science fair contest with their, their rockets, and they go on to the national contest, and they win. And they come back to Colwood as national champions. Now, one of the things that happened is that a guy named Werner von Braun, that name may be familiar to some, some of you, very, he's, he's a German who came to the U.S. prior to the war, very active in building up the U.S. space program, very well known, and it's someone that Homer admires greatly. And at this national competition, von Braun actually shakes his hand. He was there, and Homer didn't recognize him. Okay, it wasn't until afterwards that someone said, wow, you got to shake his hand, and that's when Homer found out. So we're going to watch two scenes, kind of back-to-back. -back. The first scene, Homer's coming back to Colwood. His dad's a miner, and his dad wants for him to be a miner. And there's been a lot of tension between them over whether or not Homer's going to follow his dad into mining. And so he comes back to Colwood, and he meets with his dad at the mine, stops. His mom lets him out of the truck, and that's where we pick up. Let's watch what happens. You let me out. What are they doing charging over for that, that kind of a pump? Yeah, I want to salvage something up here. I did. Hey, Homer, I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate what you did for me. I know it wasn't easy for you, so thank you. We're shooting off our last rocket day at 5 o'clock, so if you'd like to come see it. I got a lot of work to do. All right. Well, I just thought I'd ask. Here you met your big hero. Didn't even know it. I know you and me don't exactly see eye to eye on certain things. I mean, yeah, we don't see eye to eye on just about anything. But Dad, I come to believe that I got it in me to be somebody in this world. And, and it's not because I'm so different from you either. It's because I'm the same. I mean, I can be just as hard-headed and just as tough. I only hope I can be as good a man as you are. I mean, sure. Dr. Von Braun's a great scientist, but he isn't my hero. Mm. 
later that day. Hey, everybody, can we have your attention, please? Come on, Homer, let her fly. <laughs> We're going to launch rocket in a minute, but we'd like to say thank you first. If it wasn't for y'all, we'd never gotten into any science fair. We probably never gotten fans blown up my mom's fence. <laughs> but we did, because of your help and support. And this is for Colwood. There are a few people who believed in us even before we did. We'd like to dedicate this rocket to them. To Ike Bukowski. To Mr. Bolin, who helped us so much. To the person who first inspired us. Our teacher, Miss Riley. And finally, I'd like to dedicate this rocket to my mom and to... Lying like somebody pushes the button. It's yours if you want it. story. Homer Hickam went on to work for NASA and was a real rocket scientist. You know, um, every time I look at this and think of my own life, uh, what comes to mind is uh, one of um, persistence in belief. We never give up as Christians. God is in the transformation business and it may not happen in, this, in the time that we want or in the way that we want that God is transforming us. He is changing us. And so we never give up. We never give up on God. We never give up on other people. And we never give up on ourselves. Okay? That's a hard thing to do. 
to maintain that kind of optimism. And yet that's who God is, and that's what he calls us to. And the good news is, when it comes to relational wisdom, it's an area that we can actually improve in. Uh, you know, your IQ is probably set uh, in your mid-teens, as I understand things. Okay, not going to get a whole, have a whole lot more ability to take information on board. Personality, um, we change somewhat over time. I'm much more of an extrovert than I used to be on the Myers-Briggs Briggs thing. I was way over on the introvert side. So personality can change a little bit, but it generally takes a while. Relational wisdom, though, and emotional intelligence can be changed dramatically and relatively quickly. And the guys that have in the EI field, the psychologists who've done this and who've designed different kinds of, um, of uh, experiments have found that you can improve by as much as 25 points on a 100-point scale if you diligently work at something. 25 points is a lot. So relational wisdom is worth spending some time on and with. God designed us to grow. We are being transformed. And he will do his work if we allow him to do that. Your growth depends on your GPS, okay? Who is it that you're looking to for guidance, okay? The Lord or something else? The best GPS is the Lord, our shepherd, and he, we know that as we follow him, we won't be in want. Relational wisdom is an outpouring of the gospel, and the more that we take the gospel in, the more that we are grateful for what God has done for us, the easier we will find it to begin to live in a relationally wise way. There are life-changing benefits. We've talked about them to relational wisdom, okay? Really making this a core part of life. And the hard part, though, is making a commitment to actually doing this. If you look on the back of your workbooks, we have some suggestions there for how to move forward. First of all, there's a personal study course that's online, and this is free. And it's a companion to this course. It'll cover all the same areas. And what it will do is it's, it's a focused, intentional journaling exercise. It will ask you to actually uh, look up some scriptures. You may also want to view some videos as you work through that. But the big part will be the personal experience. You're going to be asked to actually try some of this stuff out that we've been talking about and then journal your responses. Journal what you learn, because oftentimes it's in the writing that we truly get a clearer picture of what God is up to. So that course is really useful to go through. And then you'll see a checklist down there of some things specifically uh, for areas that you want to grow in. Pray daily for God's grace and wisdom. Okay? And the more specifically we can pray, the better. Sign up for the RW blog, and there's a link there that you can go to. Once a week, Ken writes a blog. And if you'd like to receive it, we'd love to have you be part of that. Study the scriptures, and you'll see here a link that leads you to all kinds of scriptural references for all that we've been talking about, all I've been talking about, and all that we've been sharing over last night and tonight. And this is the big part. Focus on becoming different in one key area. My hunch is that everybody in here has at least one place where you struggle. I mentioned with me, it's self-awareness and then that engagement that comes off of that. Where do you struggle? Where do you find the most difficulties? Focus in on that. You can't do everything at once. 
right? But change can walk out in our lives if we focus on something particular. Maybe just learning to be more disciplined about being aware of God and studying the scriptures. Maybe learning to really ask myself, what is the emotion that I'm feeling here? And how is that driving me? And is that a godly response? Or am I responding in a sinful way as a result of that? Whatever it might be, spend some disciplined time and thought. And the ideas that are included in the workbook, as well as the online uh, journaling, the study guide, can really help you begin to do this. Okay? And the key, I think, is to focus in one area. Okay? Don't get dispersed, because then, then it's hard to really see change and to see growth and improvement. Another thing you can do is share with someone what you've been over, what you've learned here. The re repetition of something that you learn both reinforces it, and as you speak with someone and hear where you haven't been clear, it helps you to understand what I don't yet get, that what I don't yet understand well, and being able to get to the point where you can fairly lucidly explain what relational wisdom is all about and what those six quadrants, quadrants, that's four, six slices of the pie are all about. And finally, encourage you when you're ready to focus on improving relationship with one person. Not everybody. Pick one person who you have a relationship with that it's not everything you would like for it to be. Okay? And work through this kind of exercise. What can I do to be more God-aware, God-engaged, self-aware, self-engaged, other-aware, other-engaged with this one person and begin to actually take steps that will help you to build that relationship. Relationships are like equations, okay? <clears throat> and what happens is we tend to think, well, this equation is like this, and it's never going to change. There's nothing I can do that will make this relationship better. And that's just not true. Anytime I begin to act differently, it's going to have an impact on the other person. We saw that in the Thai video. Okay, we saw that in the persistence of Homer Hickam, going back to his dad again and again, trying to get him excited about shooting off, shooting off rockets. It changes that relational equation. And it will happen. It may not happen right away. God's timing is not our timing. But we have to believe that he is in the business of transformation and that he's sovereign. And he will bring about change in his time and in his way. And our job is to not abdicate, to not leave because we've lost hope. God never loses hope on us, right? Every day we go to him, sinful human beings, and seek his grace and his love uh, through our repentance and our prayers, okay? And that's what we need to bring to all of our relationships. We believe in others and our ability to connect with them the same way that God works in us and has given his son for us. We're going to do a little survey. I want to thank you. This is sort of the end of my time with you all and, and uh, Jonathan has a survey he'd like you all to go through. But let me just thank you for taking time last night and today, this morning, to be here, to be part of this. I hope that this has begun to open some windows and some ideas. As we said right at the outset last night, there's not a lot of new stuff here, but I hope it's organized in a way that's accessible, accessible and usable, that you can take this and actually begin to uh, create changes with God's help working in and through us in the relationships that you have. Uh, I've enjoyed working with you all. Thank you for the attention that you've paid and the great responses that you've given. Uh, and if there's ever anything that we can do to be of service to you, 
uh, please let us know. Websites rw360.org. My name's Chip, so just chip at rw360.org gets you directly to me. Thank you.